1: I thought the fourth estate was time.
2: That's the fourth
0: dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Granny and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state
1: of Georgia? So what's going to be fun is when the NBA upstages Major League Baseball's trade deadline and there are bigger trades in the NBA this week than Major League Baseball. But we got one yesterday. The Grizzlies sent Jonas Valanciunas and two picks to New Orleans. They got Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe and three picks in return. But the interesting part of this is Mark Stein reported uh, that the Pelicans now have the cap space to sign Kyle Lowry. Uh, do you think Kyle Lowry and Zion Williamson would be a playoff team in the West?
2: The Pelicans are gliding towards such a beautiful disaster that (laughs) I'm loving every single minute of it. And mind you, this is all my delusion that Zion's going to end up in New York. Um, Oh Oh, boy. But the thing is, go ahead, sign Kyle Lowry. You're not necessarily a playoff team in the West with Kyle Lowry and Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. Like... That's not happening. And we've heard the rumblings all off season that not just Zion, but Zion's family. And watch out for Zion's family. They're not happy. They're not happy with the direction of what's going on with the Pelicans. That's why Stan Van Gundy is gone. Uh, They're gonna try to do everything they can to make Zion happy and sign him to that huge extension that I can't believe we're already talking about, Uh, but he's already been in the league for two years. So go ahead, sign Kyle Lowry tie up that cap a little bit more. Sign Zion's ticket to New York. Do it. I am.
1: Okay, so here's going to be the fascinating part about the Pelicans. It's possible that they will have drafted Anthony Davis and then Zion Williamson and get what? One playoff series win out of this? Like they could have drafted two unbelievable talents and done absolutely nothing with it.
2: And they also had Chris Paul.
1: Oh Yes, well, oh yeah, like like that. So, okay, if you are in the NBA right now, if you are New Orleans or any of these teams that are sort of the middle to bottom in terms of free agents attractiveness, right? The way you win is you need to, A, build a good team, but then like Toronto did, you land, you know, the Kawhi Leonard, or you draft a guy that's really good. And they've gotten that really good draft pick twice now. And if, again, what they they... That, that's that's they only won one playoff series with Anthony Davis, right? They made it twice and won one one first round once. Like, it's unbelievable if they will have nailed two of the picks, two of the picks they will have gotten, but done absolutely nothing with. That's going to be pathetic for the Pelicans. And you know, Zion goes to the Knicks and they
2: don't win a playoff
1: series either. Will also be fun.
2: Oh no no no! I, I don't care if they win a playoff series. No, <laughs> I just need to win the off just once.
1: <laughs> oh, you know I can't tell you that. Ten women have filed complaints with the houston police department about deshaun watson that includes two new women that were not among the 22 that filed civil lawsuits so now this is also going to be criminal and now we're up to a number of 24. how is he not on the commissioner's list in the nfl
2: because we still don't know anything about anything when it comes to this case if the Goal of the lawyers in this case has been to confuse everyone on both sides. We're there, uh, so this complaint comes with what ten women, as you mentioned, two who the <laughs> the attorney Rusty Hardin said, "quote There are a couple of women we don't know anything about." Like oh okay. Uh, So again, remember, this started out with civil cases. Now we have potential criminal complaints and we've heard next to nothing about the John Watson situation for months now. So why isn't he on the commissioner's list? I don't even know if he has to be on the commissioner's list at this point. He's basically sidelined by himself. But
1: isn't that, I mean, that's the point of the commissioner's list though, right? It's the, hey, we don't know everything that's going on, but this guy probably shouldn't be playing or they don't want him playing until they do know everything that's going on.
2: But here's, the, yeah, to your second point, I don't think we have to worry about it at all. I don't think we have to worry about, is he going to play? There's no chance he's going to play while this is all coming out because it appears that the Houston Texans organization has already kind of made that clear. That's why we're not talking about the Sean Watson at camp right now. I don't care about your next question. From a story in the LA Times,
1: the majority of Trevor Bauer's teammates do not want him back on the Dodgers he is still on administrative leave from Major League Baseball so even if Say that name here. the hypothetical scenario where Trevor Bauer is completely cleared and he did nothing wrong the, c- can the Dodgers bring him back or are we at a point where the Dodgers just have to move on from this guy no matter what
2: I love it move on from this guy after they just signed him months ago uh the story in the LA Times says No teammate has spoken publicly about him or come to his defense. Two people with knowledge of the Dodgers' clubhouse dynamics who are unauthorized to speak publicly said that a majority of players do not want Bauer back under any circumstances. Under any circumstances, Tyler. As though they could come out and have this story resolve with the woman who made the accusation saying... Hey, you know what? I did do this for money. Uh, you know, I I don't believe that this is uh, you know this is not a real thing, which I don't think is anywhere no. near the outcome of this case. And the Dodgers still wouldn't want him back. That's how poisonous Trevor Bauer truly is. It's it's brutal. The LA Times
1: story, the the part that I enjoyed, or that they did a good job of painting the picture, was going back and getting quotes from when the Dodgers signed Trevor Bauer. Like Mookie Betts had one with, you know, he is who he is but he's a great baseball player. So we're happy to have him. But it was like, there seemed to be some trepidation from the Dodgers already in terms of, Oh, we're signing Trevor Bauer. And now it's obviously gotten to a point where it's more than just him on the internet being an idiot. It's gotten to a point where, yeah, he his, his career's probably over because he's going to end up in, I don't know. Does he go to jail for this? Whatever ends up happening with this case, it's not going to be good for Trevor Bauer. And this hypothetical of everything's Okay is not the likely outcome for the Dodgers or Trevor Bauer.
0: Next question.
1: Angels minor leaguers are sleeping in campers. Story at espn.com. Six teammates in the Angels minor league system are sharing a three-bedroom apartment. Four teammates are sharing a camper, uh, and multiple sleep in their car. One player retired because he was making $1600 a month and his rent was $2000. A month. Um, a quote was it's gotten to the point now where there are guys who are in serious mental health crisis because of how stressful money is here. What What's happening? Why? Why is there? I mean, there's a story every week about minor league players and they're not making enough money. They don't have anywhere to sleep. Like why the hell can't major league baseball teams pay for their minor leaguers to stay somewhere? Like I thought part of the point of cutting half the minor league teams was to make it easier for the major league teams to take care of their organization
2: problem for minor league players is the same that it's always been. They don't have a union to represent them. Uh, the Major League Baseball Players Association makes clear at just about every turn that they have no interest in the well-being of minor league players. Uh, the organizations are not going to do anything unless they're forced to do something. Uh, we've been dealing with this in some level for years upon years upon years when we talk about players at the lower levels of the minors being in with host families. Right? Like trying to just find local families to take someone in. Uh, can you imagine doing this in the NBA? <laughs> you imagine in the G League if we had to try to find someone who was willing to take the point guard in for the whole season? Like, no, the NBA actually invests in its developmental league and is trying to create a path for. Players to get there, Major League Baseball continues to be an organization that does not care about anybody but its best.
1: So, you don't think there's any chance just public peer pressure, a bad PR of these stories constantly coming out about minor leaguers being treated poorly or not having enough money to pay rent? You don't think there's any chance peer pressure would force this into some sort of change for these organizations?
2: Uh, look, there's always a chance, but it's not new, Tyler. That's the thing. This is not new. We've been doing this for decades when it comes to minor league baseball i mean just how awful is it that you look at it and say a player retired because he was making sixteen hundred dollars a month and his rent was two thousand dollars a month right you're talking about guys who can't even chase the dream and then we wonder why when we look at why aren't there more african-american players why aren't there more uh, you know players of color from other underrepresented groups. And then you start to get into the socioeconomics of this and you start to say, wow, well, it looks like there are only players who come from certain means who might be able to survive long enough to make it.
1: Wow. Sorry. I, really um, I got you. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. For those of you that couldn't hear, Jared, instead of pressing the button to go to the next topic, was clapping to applaud Adam and his take. So. Good job, Adam. Um, Arizona. A really good take. And then I had to play Justin Emerson like tripping over his own words. That is the perfect show. What are you talking about? Arizona is now taking applications for sports betting. Uh, Adam, are they going to be up and ready to go for the NFL season in Arizona?
2: Yeah, they are. Uh, This law passed in April for Arizona to have legal sports betting. Uh, There have already been eight separate partnerships announced between either professional sports organizations or Native American tribes and sports books. Uh, They've been making the rules for this for the last month. And September 9th is the go live date for the uh, for the Arizona sports betting industry which of course is coincidentally the day of the first game of the NFL season so yeah it's it's gonna happen and you know it'll be interesting to see if there is any effect on the sports books in Nevada because this will be the first neighboring state to have legal sports betting because California is still uh, in the early stages of trying to do something
1: is uh, of all the states that have tried to pass or have passed some sort of legalized sports betting Arizona has done a good job, bad job? Like, how how have other states done with this compared to Arizona?
2: I think Arizona actually set up a pretty decent system, so the tax rate is kind of low, uh, which means that you're going to get more sports books competing. I mean, the exact same day that the law passed, we had a deal announced between FanDuel and the Phoenix Suns, where FanDuel is going to build a sportsbook inside the Phoenix Suns arena. And then a week later, we had a deal announced between Caesars and the Arizona Diamondbacks. So you're going to have multiple sports books in downtown. Then you also have the Phoenix Mercury who have a deal. Um, Arizona is going to have a, a thriving industry where you can bet on your phone from anywhere within the state. And I think what's going to be interesting is that if you're someone in Nevada who is not happy with the quality of sports betting apps that are offered and the number of markets that are offered by the sportsbook, and you can't see me, but I'm raising my hand as one of them, uh, then how far do you have to drive in order to play in Arizona? Well, you basically just have to get over Hoover Dam. Uh, so if you're willing to drive you know, from where I live a half hour-ish to get into Arizona and you want to be able to place bets that are on wider markets uh, with more sports books, then you're gonna be able to do that.
4: Hold on though. You also have to go through those stupid roundabouts that they put on the highway. So, you know, there's a level of danger
1: here.
2: Oh, yo, there's absolutely danger. I mean, you could fall right over that bridge. Like, you know, it's it's uh, it's terrifying.
1: Are you suggesting that they need to build a parking lot on the other side of the Hoover Dam for people like you that are gonna drive there, park their car so they can place a bet on, with someone that we don't have in Nevada?
2: Do you think that's any different than the folks who drive to the gas station in prim to go play Powerball line up for hours? Well, there's no. no
1: reason to bring my mom into this. <laughs> Has she won, Jared? Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. All right, we're going to go to college football. Coming up next, what? the Oklahoma and Texas have officially applied for SEC membership.
0: I think uh, 12 teams is a huge step in the right direction. Uh, I personally would like to see 64 and you can format it out uh, pretty easily, you know, but I think it's a huge step the right direction and I look forward to it.
1: So SEC is has taken the application from Oklahoma and Texas, which they will surely approve, although it would be funny at this point if they didn't for some reason. Um but Adam, before we get into the potential ripple effect through college football, Do you actually think Oklahoma and Texas are about to play four more seasons in the Big 12?
2: No, but I also think that the court battle over this could be protracted over the money involved. So uh, I don't think we're anywhere close to having four years of a lean duck league. But at the same time, I think that we have not seen even the first or second salvos fired in this thing.
1: It would be kind of incredible if they did, though, if they did play four years in the Big 12 before joining the SEC
2: Oh, sure. It would be fantastic, but you know, I mean, basically just be getting side eye from eight other schools for four years. <laughs>
1: They're going to get it this year, but yeah, I, I assume they'll be in the SEC for 2022, but uh, yeah, it's tech. All of it technically right now is leaving the big 12 after 2025 and joining the SEC in the summer of 2025. But yeah, it'd be pretty insane if that happened. Now the ripple effect that this is going to cause is basically what happens to the big 12 from here and how far down does this go? Because If you're the ACC, if you're the Big 12, if you're the Pac-12, you're basically looking at this. Do they think they need to expand to basically keep up with the SEC? And what do these other Big 12 schools do? Because conceivably, they'd rather be in the Pac-12 or the Big 10 instead of what's left of the Big 12. There was a story in The Athletic, though, about the American and how the American Athletic Conference, uh, they would like to be aggressive. The AAC plans to act as an aggressor. Multiple high-ranking sources within the conference tell The Athletic It will try to poach the Big 12's leftovers, perhaps as a group. Uh, So, if you're one of the leftovers in the Big 12, are you interested in the AAC? Like, is that a conference you would want? Would you want to join that conference?
2: No. Why? I mean, in the Nicole Auerbach article, she actually makes the case for it. And I think as she does it, she makes the case against it. (laughs) She says, imagine a Western division that includes Baylor, Oklahoma State, TCU, and or Iowa State. Toss those teams in with Cincinnati, UCF, and SMU, and you'd have some really, really good football. I don't disagree. The problem is you wouldn't be any closer to a playoff berth than you were as you are right now because which of those teams is a team that's going to get serious playoff consideration and beating which of those teams is going to make you look any better? That's no better than the Big 12. And in order to go anywhere in the Big 12, what did you have to do? You had to beat Oklahoma. So I don't see where that makes the AAC any more likely to be considered uh, as Oresco the uh, the commissioner of the conference wants to be a power 6.
1: I think if you're the AAC well obviously they're looking at it as hey we're we're going to be a power conference because they've been trying to be that for like 5 years now. But I think realistically if you're the AAC like you do want to add a big 12 school like or, or two or four of them or something because they can solidify themselves as the fifth best conference. Like if the big 12 breaks up officially and like, let's say some go to the PAC 12 or the big 10 and the AAC grabs what's left there. It's not a power five, right? There's, there's the sec and then three more conferences and then the AAC but there clearly would be the fifth best conference. They'd clearly be ahead of the mountain West. If they were able to scoop up, you know, Baylor Oklahoma state or whatever combination of those schools, it would be. And so in that realm, again, you're not a power conference. You're not going to be viewed the same as the sec or the ACC or the big 10 or the pac 12, but you're still number five and you're pretty much solidifying that you're going to be number five for a long time, because in that scenario, the mountain West isn't catching you and neither is the, the Mac or conference USA or anything like that. So In that realm, while it's not really their real goal of being a power conference, it still sets them up better than pretty much every other conference that isn't one of the power conferences already.
2: If it were written in scripture that five conferences was what the (laughs) powers powers that be believe (laughs) is necessary in order to have a functioning football system, yeah, sure, but what's to say... That the leftovers from the big 12 don't end up in the big 10 that they don't end up in the you know in another conference that would somehow be m- better positioned to soak them in i mean I, there's going to be competition for baylor right baylor might be the best uh, school that's available here a, f- a school that's coming off a national championship in basketball that is a reasonably competitive football team year in and year out uh oklahoma state obviously has plenty of money behind it so there are schools that i think frankly they are the ones who should be looking at the AAC and going. Mm, I'm not so sure.
1: If you're the Mountain West right now, and they put out a statement yesterday that basically said nothing, it just said, "Hey, we're paying attention." But if you're the Mountain West right now, like what are you doing? Like, what should the Mountain West be trying to do at this moment?
2: Uh, you're sending that 3 a.m. you up text to TCU and being like, <laughs> "Hey, uh, we used to be good, remember?" <laughs> Uh, we we used to work really well together because honestly there aren't many schools i think in in what's going to be left of the big 12 that make a lot of sense uh for the mountain west you could point to kansas if you want to continue to be the same conference that you've been which is a conference with two good football teams and a lot of good basketball Uh, but really beyond that uh, I, i don't see what makes sense for them out of the big 12 and again if you're kansas and you have that basketball program you could do a hell of a lot better than the mountain west
1: yeah and the problem for the mountain west is they just signed their new tv deal and like the idea of adding new schools adding new television markets is to help your you know media rights deal so you get more money for all your schools that's kind of off the table for quite a while because of their new deal so adding you would be adding schools simply on the basis of this makes the conference stronger which i I think is you know it's fine to do that but most of this conference realignment is driven by television money i think the probably the more important part here is the mountain west calling its current members to make sure they're not leaving not that they would really be able to stop them but i think if you're the mountain west you're maybe a little bit more afraid that if the Pac-12 decides, hey, we need to add some teams or if the Big 12 is able to stay alive and say they go try to add some of the best G5 schools that are around, that's where the Mountain West could be in a lot of trouble.
2: You're going to have to look and see what happens with the other three big conferences, right? I think that's that's kind of what I was getting at with the idea of where do Baylor yeah. and Oklahoma State go because if you see the Big 10 go and add two of those schools and then we see these, you know, these conferences that... You know, you can call it the Big Ten, but it has 16 teams. Um, you know, the Pac-12 could easily be the Pac-14, and if you're the Pac, I mean, why would you look any farther than Boise State? I mean, it's the first school that you're gonna you're gonna look at, and San Diego State's not gonna be far behind.
1: I would be fascinated to see if the Pac-12 expanded because I, I, I mean, obviously they they would more than likely swing for some of the leftover big 12 schools. Right. I mean, that would be more attractive than pretty much anything in the mountain West, but I'd be fascinated to see if they expanded and they were taking some mountain West schools, what would they prioritize? Because if they prioritize, Hey, who has the best football program, who has the best, you know, athletic department in terms of actually producing in the important sports Boise States at the very top of that list. But we often see like the big 10 did with Maryland and Rutgers, not always about that it's about hey what's a television market what helps us and that's really where like a UNLV could actually enter that conversation and have a chance even though they've never been competitive in football Las Vegas as far as Mountain West programs Las Vegas is probably the most desirable media market because San Diego is there too but they kind of already have San Diego so I'd be fascinated to see if the if the Pac-12 did expand what their priorities would be
2: yeah i I see where you're going with that it makes a lot of sense that uh, as las vegas market continues to grow it's a top 40 tv market but and look this is not going to be our usual swing at unlv but i mean you're talking about taking a football program where it's lower than kansas right like like you know that that doesn't do anything to to help the conference and it if, frankly, even if you look at a Kansas, at least you're getting the Jayhawk basketball program as opposed to whatever is left here at UNLV. So you know, I, I think it starts with Boise because I think you can make some uh, you can make some headway there and you can create some natural travel pairs if you get Boise and San Diego State and Boise
1: and San Diego State have been the two schools that have talked about leaving the conference before. Like but actually, did leave yes, the conference. Yeah, well, yes, they did. Yeah. They, they they are the ones that have actually done that, had those conversations. Whereas, ha- have we had a UNLV legitimately considering leaving the conference or having an offer? Like, I don't think that's happened. So, as much as like we could talk up UNLV, and as much as we could talk about the positives of what you know why they're better than a Boise State or anybody else in the Mountain West, at the end of the day, they haven't actually been attracting those offers over the last few years. It's been Boise State. It's been San Diego State.
2: Well, Tyler, I mean, if you want to make the argument about TV markets, I'm going to go get Colorado State before I go get uh, before I go get the uh, the UNLV program. And yes, I get it; you already have the buffs uh, in Colorado, but why wouldn't you go add more into the Denver market? I, I, I mean, at least get a program that is competitive in uh, in both major sports. That's the thing right now is that we have to be honest about what the state of the UNLV program is, and would the Pac-12 resources do any more? than what the stadium and the practice facility were supposed to do to make this team competitive i i just don't see where it happens on
1: colorado state if the big 12 manages to survive like if they don't get picked apart here that's one that makes a lot of sense for them is to get colorado state and if they if they need more members add colorado state in because it's a it's a market they lost and colorado state's a decent program so like that's one where the mountain west could lose a team to all of this but they're pretty far down the pecking order. Coming up next, Ed Graney joins us from a parking lot? Ed.
0: Ed Graney has been a journalist for over 30 years. He's seen a lot of sh- and been given a lot of free stuff.
4: Oh, brother. All right, back to
0: show and tell. Whether it was scurvy or a padre eating a Snickers bar. Why don't you bring us Potato. You're always trying to give me potatoes. What is it with you? Ed Graney is here to show and tell. Ed, where are you? Well, I'm not in Chicago,
4: but someone else might be real soon.
1: Yeah, so here we go. Emily Kaplan tweeting that the Chicago Blackhawks are in the late stages of trade talks to acquire Mark andre Flurry. Oh, here is Darren Dreger. Flurry to Chicago, no salary retained, and nothing going back to Vegas whoa so that is a a can we call that a trade if they don't get anything back
4: man i better go get my covid shot i'm i'm fainting jeez <laughs> um yeah I, tyler man you were uh gotta give you know, like you were the first one to say it i you just had to move the salary man i mean i'm shocked they're not getting anything back i mean of course if this was gruden they'd send flurry in a couple picks but uh they're not going to get anything back on him, but you got to move the salary, man. This is going to be talk about shockwaves throughout the city today with the Knights fans. But we have said it all along. You need centers. You need depth. You need better players to win it all. And you had to move one of them. And I think we all agree, just reading between the lines, if Pete DeBoer had a choice, this is the way they would go. I think Leonard's his guy. And I'm not, yeah, I'm with you on that, Kyle. I'm surprised they didn't get anything back. But I don't think either of us or Adam as well are surprised that this is the guy they moved.
2: I'm still sitting here, kind of jaw on the floor, at getting nothing back at all. Yeah, <laughs> well,
4: it's, it's not a trade. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go out and. Yeah, I'll go on a short limb here and suggest if the Vesna winner was traded after winning the Vesna, someone got something back on. It.
1: Okay, hold on. What is the Golden Knights press release going to say today? Because normally it'll be even even when they traded like Nate Schmidt for like a mid round pick, it was the Golden Knights have acquired a fourth round pick in well, exchange for Nate. What are they gonna say? What's the press release gonna let, say? Let
4: me ask both. Let me ask both you guys because I'm interested. Um, is it the Blackhawks saying we're not giving you everything back? We'll take on all seven million. Because remember last off season it was I'm not. We're not taking any salary. You have to. We're gonna. You know. Are we? We have to. You have to retain some salary. You have to retain. Are the Blackhawks saying we'll take them? but we're going to take all 7 million, but you're not getting anything back. And then that's the best offer they got for him. I, I don't know. I'm throwing stuff out there. Cause I'm shocked. They don't get anything back.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that has to be what it is. I'm yeah. just, I'm just stunned that there's, there's literally nothing coming back. Like yeah. he just won the Vesna. He He was just the best goalie in the league for the regular season. And they got nothing. That's incredible. I mean, that's, well, that's here's, incredible. Well, let me, let
4: me ask you though. If, if it's that, or you keep both which you choose them cuz I'm choosing this one.
1: Yeah, I I guess I am too. Yeah. hold on, hold on. Emily Kaplan just sweet uh, just tweeted minor leaguer Mikhail I don't know how to say his last name. There's a there's an AHL player going to the Golden Knights here. So there there is a player coming back, but it's somebody okay. that I don't know that anybody's ever I, heard of.
4: Look, I think it's the 7 million. I don't think it's Henderson wanting another player out there with all that land. I mean, I, I think it's uh <laughs> I I mean I think it's the money. I I think that, you know, He's he's 37-38, and I know he won the Vez, and we all know that, but I think we all agree he was not going to be that good again, and they will probably put him on the market. And I'm sure a lot of people said, well, like Tyler, you said yesterday, would you pay the four of the seven? Would you pay the five of the seven? You're going to keep two. And if you're the Golden Knights trying to to move cap here and get as much cap as you can for other things you want to do, and someone's willing to pay the seven, I move them. I mean, maybe you want some more back, but if they're going to take on all seven and you know you have to get rid of one of them, I can't take many shots at them. I mean, they, they just cleared $7 million off the cap. Now it'll be interesting but, to see what they do next, right? Like, what do they do with the money they just have?
2: Guys, the, the, the craziest part about this to me is that when you come down to it, the Golden Knights are basically going to be saying, we've acquired Alec Martinez or reacquired Alec Martinez for Marc-Andre Fleury. Like this franchise that built everything around Marc Andre Fleury for four years just chose Alec Martinez. (laughs) Uh, That's really what the fans are going to look at and have this come down to. I'm just, I'm stunned by this being the way it happened.
4: Uh, I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I'm almost to the Raiders facility to get tested because the uh, traffic jams could happen off this news, this weird town. Oh, people here, they, no, well, not only that he was moved, but that they got uh, whoever you just said back. I can only imagine a response. I, I might be off base. You guys can tell me what you think. I might be off base. I just think that they just said we'll take his money and you you can have and uh, we'll take him and you don't have to retain any of it. Do- I, there's no other there's no other explanation that you only get a minor league back uh, for the Vesna winner who's the face of your franchise who is Tyler Shadjishdy. He will have a he'll have a statue in front of that arena. He what he meant to that franchise just off the ice and what he meant when they got him. They just gave them, you know, they they traded them and got really nothing back. That, that's astonishing, and yet I think we all think about it and, like, take a breath and think about the money. I am I, Is it weird that I'm not that surprised? Do we think that Malcolm Subban spent the last year just being like, you know who's really good, Marc-Andre <laughs> Fleur? You guys should really look in to see if he's available. Well, Malcolm's excited because he's going to play in shootouts now. <laughs> so you know, he, I mean, Malcolm. Malcolm is guaranteed now to play a little if they if they if they have close games.
1: Actually, this is this is the worst for Malcolm Subban. He finally got away from being <laughs> Flurry's <laughs> backup, and now Flurry's <laughs> back in his life a year later.
2: Well, guys, here, like we go back to last offseason. You were just talking about how nobody would take the salary on last no. offseason. Well, yeah. That was when you had two years of $7 million left, and he was coming off his worst season, and he looked like he was right, done. Right. Now you only have one year left, and he won the Vezina Trophy. How do you get nothing this year for a guy on an expiring? That, to me, is just flabbergasting.
4: <laughs> I know. I think it's a shot. I don't, look, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the Blackhawks, you know, and you're right. You're right, Adam. I mean, he won the Vezina. I don't know if they're, I'm guessing or Did they say, look, we both know he's not going to be as good. He's going to decline. We're going to take the money. You know, or you can take a chance that you keep him for the money, if we're your only hope, and hope he's that good again. And I think McPhee and McCrimmon and DeBoer probably said he's not going to be that good again. I mean, history just tells you at his age that he's not going to be, and they had to make a choice. I, I love to know, and it's, it sounds crazy, like, who else was in on this guy? Like, because Chicago was the report last week, right? And then Jersey was flirting with Leonard and Chicago with uh, Flurry. And I don't know if we'll ever know, but did anyone else make an offer for him? Like, if this is what you're getting back, who else offered for him? I mean, maybe nobody. I don't know.
1: Has George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon told Bill Foley yet?
4: I'm not. Sh- I That's don't know. That's a fun know. game of rock I- paper scissors. <laughs> I, I just know Flurry never played in Manitoba. I just, I, I gotta guess that because obviously you can't move anyone across the border there. I yeah, I'm sure. Foley signed off, and, I, and I'm sure they explained it to him. Like, look. Do you want to win it? Do you want to have your best chance to win it all? Which is, again, and and Adam said this as well, because I don't think they're done moving because, like Adam said, you keep martinis, you get rid of flurry. You have a little more money now. I mean, I don't know if they're telling McPhee, or excuse me, uh, if they're telling Foley, we're also going to do this. If we do this, we can get in on, you know, whoever they're trying to get in on. Um, Maybe they convinced them that way, like, you got to do this. If we're going to get player A or B, I don't know what they said to him. Um, but I, I, and I also think after last year, he probably came to the conclusion as they talked to him more and more that, you know, you got to let us make the decision. And like, I'm all for that. And Tyler knows it's like, if you hire a guy to make decisions, you let him make the decisions. And if it doesn't work out, you fire him eventually. And that, you know, you can't, I think Foley's been kind of, shall I say, over aggressive in this whole flurry thing. And you have to let your hockey people make these decisions. Like I'm always for that. So, I mean... George McPhee's on the hook now. He just traded away the most popular player in the history of the organization, although it's a short history, and he didn't get anything back. So if they go win the cup next year, nobody cares. If they win the cup, they get knocked out in the first round, and Leonard's uh, Leonard's really bad, they'll never hear the end of it.
1: Uh, Ed Graney's with us as Marc-Andre Fleury has been traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. The Golden Knights are getting back a minor league player. Mikel... Hacker Rainin, maybe is how you pronounce that. He has played over the last two years a total of fourteen games in the AHL, and has not. Did,
4: did, did, did they get him off the street like Mayock got that that yes. lineman?
1: Jared Jones Smith. Yes, they got him off the street. Um, okay, like okay. You're, so you're gonna be at Raiders training camp today. Is the first day.
4: Oh. <laughs> Talk about overshadowing the gonna, opening I was gonna
1: camp. say like. <laughs> It's the NFL, but this is one of the few things that could actually make nobody care about the NFL. I mean, I haven't called the paper yet, but
4: I'm pretty sure the Raiders are going to be on D8. Flurry's going to be a special section tomorrow. They're probably already selling ads for the write a special. section. This is enormous, enormous news. So Johnny Gruden at 1245, uh, I mean, he'll be asked questions, but I think most of the media this town's going to be focused on one thing today.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't, shouldn't you be leaving training camp now well, and going somewhere else? Uh, he's, I mean, he's getting a free I'm, COVID test. <laughs> I'm close, Jared. You're right. I'm close enough to where I don't want to drive all the way out there and not take
4: advantage of the free COVID test. But if you're telling me I'll also run to the car and do a U-turn and come back, I'm really at that point. You're probably correct.
1: <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, well, this is uh, yeah. This has been an interesting morning. You know, I was.
4: You, you know what the funny thing is, because Tyler, I saw the slack in terms of what your opening line was before. I mean, I literally, like, you guys learned about this just driving in. I literally was going to ask you, like, right when we started. Hey, did anyone get traded? today?
1: No, I guess I don't have to ask that really? now. Uh, here's a fun tweet from Elliot Friedman. One thing to watch here: there were rumblings Mark Andre Fleury might choose to retire if traded from Vegas for family reasons. Not certain how it will all play out. Is there a chance they traded this guy for nothing, but he retires on the Blackhawks and both teams get nothing?
4: That I guess that could happen. Thirty six, thirty seven, made a ton of money, has three small children, and yeah, I mean, I. You know, he'll he'll always have jobs in hockey. I mean, I, I, he'd always get jobs in hockey, and I don't know whether it's, you know, broadcast. I don't know what he would do, but he's not, no one's ever going to turn him away. So I didn't think of that. But now that you said that, does he want to move a wife and three small children to Chicago for one year? I don't know. I don't know him personally. I'm just saying, you know, kind of being in the family mode of that, you kind of do wonder, like, is he going to say, look, we've made a lot of money, and we, I mean, I'll tell you this. I'm not going to be shocked. I, I might be wrong on this because he might go home to Canada, but I, he might even stay here. I mean, he's he, every time you've ever talked to him, his family loves it, he loves it. That could happen. I mean, he might just retire uh, instead of go to Chicago. I don't think he'd pack his family up and go to Chicago for a year. I, I don't think no. he would do that. I mean, he might leave them here and then go and play, but uh, that's a really interesting point that, Elliot, that that he just tweeted. I didn't think about that, but now that you think about it, it's not like crazy to say he would do that.
2: Guys, it gets better slash worse. Uh, Jesse Granger reports a source close to Mark Andre Fleury, and I'm adding this part in: who damn well has to be Alan Walsh uh, <laughs> says that the trade is done and that the Vezina winner found out about the trade through Twitter.
1: Well, I mean, listen, yes! the, listen. If yes! we're doing, if we're doing power rankings we're of the way players, sword! the way players find out about things, um, Brad Hunt found out in an elevator. Oscar Lindbergh found out from William Carlson because Oscar Lindbergh was still on the ice getting in some extra practice. I think finding out on Twitter is actually maybe the best of those three. Well,
4: Here's the thing, and and the Golden Knights will take a hard time about that, but Tyler just said it. Here's the thing. In 2021, you're not going to control the other side also. So if this was just agreed upon, let's say it was agreed upon at 5 this morning, Chicago, 4 this morning, whatever, you can't control everyone in their office to text somebody. These national writers have sources in every organization, so... I won't blast them right now, just because of what Alan Walsh just said. And obviously, it's Alan Walsh as the source, so I'm not going to blast them because these things. You're the Golden Knights; you really can only control what you let out or what you say. And if someone in the Blackhawks organization is close to Emily or, or you know Pierre, whoever originally broke this and texted, today, we just traded for Flurry," that's a hard thing to blame the Golden Knights for. If that's how it happened, Adam, I'm not sure, but I think sometimes organizations take a really hard hit for that. And you you forget that there's another side involved
2: and 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 listen ed i i 100 agree with you we've you know we've both been beat reporters trying to cover yeah. this stuff before yeah. and, and know that there are sources here and there yep. that being said if there ever were a player in an organization <laughs> in a city where you don't want that narrative out there you would hope that the Golden Knights and George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon would take pains to make sure that Marc-Andre Fleury would find out from someone else. So, uh, you know, no, we shall see how it goes I totally down.
4: agreement with you. It's weird that I heard Fleury just called Foley to tell him, which is going to be very bizarre. <laughs> I'm not sure Bill knew, so, you know, I mean, Bill's probably, <laughs> hello?
1: <laughs> well, he is Ed Grady out at Raiders training camp, although well, I don't know if he'll now. be writing about that. Uh, thanks, Ed. We appreciate it. All right. See you guys. Bye. All right. Uh, when we come back, we will talk to Luke Perk dandy of PropSwap.
0: We're checking in on the latest news from PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds.
1: Joining us now from PropSwap is Luke Perg-Dandy. And, Luke, I'm curious. Aaron Rodgers shows up at Lambeau Field today. What happened with Denver Bronco tickets over the last couple of months on Prop Swap?
3: Yeah, you can sell those for a pretty penny. Uh, it, sh- it sure looked like he was not going to play in Wisconsin this year. And uh, there were reports seven days ago, six days ago, that said uh, a-, a source close to him who has been correct in the past uh, said that he will not be playing in Green Bay. And lo and behold, they turned it this week. It sure you know, looks like a 90% chance that he will be playing this year and that will leave. Next year, or the option to um, So Green Bay's odds when the Super Bowl went from 28 to 1 down to 12 to 1 overnight. And you can imagine all those tickets are worth a lot of money right now.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if you're sitting on like a 28 to 1 Packers ticket, you're probably better off maybe holding on to it for a little while. Let them go like 7 and 1 or something and then start thinking about selling it rather than selling it right now.
3: Yeah, I mean what like I always we always try to preach, like just because you sell your twenty eight to one ticket now doesn't mean you can't go make another bet. Right? Like yeah. you can sell your twenty eight to one ticket, make three X on it, so you bet a hundred sell over three hundred and then go make another Packers wager. So that if they do succeed and have a good season, uh, you still have some upside. You know, you still gotta deal with Tampa Bay, you gotta deal with Kansas City, you gotta deal with Dallas. Um, you know, LA, um, so there's still a lot of good teams remaining and you know, to triple your money in potentially a week or a month here before the season's even began is could be interesting.
1: Uh when we look at baseball, their trade deadline is on Friday. You got big names like Max Scherzer maybe getting traded, Chris Bryant's out there, Craig Kimbrell's the best reliever. Are do you think any of these names are big enough if they do get moved that people will flock to the team they get traded to?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, the Padres picking up Frazier, I thought that was big. Uh, you know, the, the hits leader in the league goes to a, a, a contender. I, I upgrade San Diego, and the odds makers seem to agree. Um, but, you know, Chris Bryant, unless he gets traded to a serious contender, I don't see a huge shift with him. Uh, potentially Scherzer. You know, I think if Scherzer goes to a to a contender like a Milwaukee uh, you know, potentially the White Sox, kind of the Red Sox teams that are kind of uh, the bats are doing well, but could use some pitching. Uh, you would definitely upgrade one of those teams.
1: Well, he is Luke Perkdandy from Propswap.com. Luke, as always, we appreciate it.
3: Thanks, guys.
0: It's time to find the sharp, brought to you by Propswap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to Propswap.com today and find the very best odds. Steven got his first game correct last night
1: with the Angels beating the Rockies. So, Steven, looking for number two. On your way to an Antonio Brown jersey, where do you want to go today?
4: I'm going to go with a long shot in the ATP Atlanta Open. I'm going to take Brandon Nakashima.
1: Okay. What am I having to play? pay attention to today? All right. Um, what time does he play?
3: I think it's 4.30 or 5 tonight.
1: Okay. All right. All so long-
3: right. The line moved a little bit. It was at minus 4,000. Now it's at minus 6,000.
1: Okay. I like that pick very much. So we got you. Brandon Nakashima is playing. Four o'clock is when the scheduled time is for that. Okay. I will not be paying attention to the Atlanta Open except to check that in the morning. Uh, Good luck, Steven. Thank you. (laughs) Have a good day. That's what this is about. Go find the minus 6,000 guy playing a tennis tournament while the Olympics are going on. That's what you got to do to win, find the shark. We've been trying to give away this damn Jersey for a long time now. And this might be the guy that does it the one that goes and finds Brandon Nakashimi in the Atlanta open on a Tuesday. This, is, this is great.
2: The best part about trying to give away an Antonio Brown Jersey <laughs> would be that if the minus 6,000 favorite lost, Listen, it would be like, Nope, Nope. No one is intended to own this Jersey.
1: Listen, it has happened a couple of times now. Like, not minus 6,000, but like the Pirates beating the Giants ended one guy's streak. The Dodgers lost to somebody bad. The Tigers beating the Astros ended one guy's streak. Like, we have people that come on here and just try to pick the favorites and lose. Somebody, oh, somebody picked the Seattle Storm when they were minus 18. They didn't pick, they just picked the Seattle Storm to win. The Storm lost as 18 point favorites. It's an unbelievable contest that we cannot have anybody win at. It's great. It's the greatest thing we've ever done. So, Brandon Nakashimi. he's probably going to get upset because that's what normally happens here because nobody can win the Antonio Brown jersey.